All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everybody, welcome back. A nice Wednesday morning to Dropping the Gloves. It's actually Wednesday evening. I, I listen to this podcast in the evening. So welcome to Dropping the Gloves on a nice Wednesday evening. Tim, you're looking fresh tonight. How's it going? Where do you what are you usually doing when you're listening to the show? You don't want to know. <laughs> in a bathtub, just eyes closed, just loving my voice, loving me some May, baby. You know that. <laughs> I happen to know you don't even have a bathtub in your new house. That's that's a bold faced lie. How dare you? We have a bathtub. You take that back, my friend. Do you? No. Yes, I do. It's it's good. You know what? The first few seasons, I would say, of this show, I didn't listen to the episodes. I was like, oh, I don't want to listen to it. But I, I found it's good for the production value. It's good to kind of learn from your mistakes. So I, I listen. Not every episode, but every every so often I'll listen to one. I say every once a month. I, I throw it on. Just give her a listen. I don't know if that's being egotistic or what's that narcissistic listening to myself but hey whatever anyways thank you everybody i have some good news <laughs> i know we were just we were just talking before we came on there and i don't know if anybody believes in karma or if anybody just believes in that sort of thing um god or just you know things happening for a reason i certainly do and I was just scrolling um, some news before we came on just to see if any late breaking stuff, because gosh, last week we were doing an episode and I got off the podcast and midway through the episode, Chara signed with Washington. And I was like, oh, well, we missed that. So I don't want to miss anything anymore. We do a last minute check and I'm glad I did because I, I thought Christmas was two weeks ago, but Christmas came again. Evander Kane has filed for bankruptcy. How how sweet are those words? Like, honestly, from a, just a, a pure fan perspective, it couldn't happen to a worse guy. I love that. What, what are your initial? I just told you, Tim. What are your thoughts? My honestly, and this is just like, I feel like I'm a very um, uh, sympathetic, empathetic person. He is going to be absolutely tortured on the ice with the chirps, isn't he? He's gonna, they're going to be so awful to him, aren't they? It's just, it will rain down chirps. Like, it will rain down guys carrying dollar bills onto the ice saying, <laughs> Gainer, Gainer, I'll take you for dinner afterwards. I know you need it. Like, hey, buddy, you want a quarter? Like, just, 
just oh, no. relentless. And there's nothing he can say. Like he brought this on himself. This isn't like out of the nowhere, out of nowhere, just like throwing insults at a guy, kick him while he's down. He brought this on himself. He's the one who tweeted pictures of himself with stacks of money. He's the one who bragged about his contracts. He's the one who is always talking about money and this and that and doing videos about how much he has. What happened last year with the with the casino? What was that, what was that story? So he went to the casino before the playoff game in Vegas, if you recall. That was two years ago. It was before the Western Conference Finals, I believe. And then the Vegas came calling for debts, I think, before the season last year. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Because he racked up a bunch of debt there, didn't he? Yeah, something like that. And hadn't paid it off. Is there ever an off season where he doesn't like get into some kind of controversy? He's already done it this year with his tweets with Ryan Reeves, and didn't he? He called out uh, one of those uh, YouTube guys. Like, yeah, he, he just <laughs> yeah. can't keep his nose out of it. I don't understand. He just signed a seven-year, forty-nine million-dollar contract, and he just filed for Chapter Seven bankruptcy in California. And he, ha- what do you think his debt is? That he wrote down on his on his filing, uh, twelve million. It's twenty six point eight million dollars of debt. Oh my goodness! Isn't that like it's 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 incredible that you can rack up that much debt? And maybe he's including he has a couple houses. He's you know he can't afford the mortgage. Maybe the law or the the pandemic. He wasn't getting paid. Who knows? This could be a strategic financial move where he gets out from under these houses and moves on. And he's still getting paid money. I don't know the ins and outs of this, but just from an outside perspective, it looks terrible for Evander. It looks great for Ryan Reeves. He's just probably cocked and loaded with all these tweets he's going to unload on this guy. It's just do – you, do you feel an ounce of empathy for Evander Kane right now? A little. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible thing to happen for anyone, even your, a guy that – as as controversial as him and a guy that probably I mean it couldn't have happened to a better person if you're talking about like the the personality and just the the bling and all that stuff but yeah I do still feel a little bit of it do you not really he's made 50 almost 53 million dollars so far in his career so he's made a ton of money that's that's mind-boggling numbers and he still has another 40 schmil to go or maybe Whatever I don't know how many years he's been in San Jose, but he's got a lot of money to come. Maybe thirty-five million dollars left in that contract. The fact that he is in debt twenty-six point eight million dollars—it's staggering. You have to do work to be that much in debt after making fifty-two million dollars. Like it's not like you can just make a couple bad investments. You got to make a lot of bad investments, and you got to really, really swing and a miss on a lot of real estate stuff. And maybe he's a terrible gambler. Maybe he should hold on 15 instead of doubling down. I don't know what his problem is, but hopefully he can sort things out. Like he's he has time. He's only 30. What is he? 30. He's 29. So he still has some earning years ahead of him. I don't know. Will this, will this straighten him out? Will he change his ways after this? What is your prediction? I'm thinking about Ryan Reeves. Just he's got a notebook out right now. He's just oh. writing down everything he can. <laughs> it, well, uh, I don't know. I I would just feel bad. 
I, I, I don't well, like I, I kick him when he's down. I don't care. But if Reeves, he's like he's he's already dominated every exchange he's had with Evander Kane. He beat him up on the ice. He's ripped him apart on Twitter. His brother tore him a new one. Is there like anything left of Evander Kane to make fun of? It's like he's a, he's a beaten and bloodied man at this point. He's filed for bankruptcy. He's broke. He's like thinking about not playing this year. I've heard articles about he's like thinking about opting out. It's like, oh, that poor kid. Are I there... don't think he. Get... Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was just gonna say I don't think he gets his life together. I think he's too, like, I don't want to say cocky, but just strong-headed to even just turn things around it's bizarre it's it's totally bizarre are there any guys in a situation like this there are players reaching out to like offer him money like for real or or no they, they wipe their hands of this well there's different levels of guys and i and i don't think he's been well liked wherever he's gone you know he played in atlanta he played in winnipeg he's played in san jose i know a fair amount of guys on all those teams and i can tell you what Ain't nobody opening their checkbook for Evander Kane right now. Like, he's not the most well-liked cat, you know, in the NHL. And I, if, it was some, if, it's, if it was our guest who's coming on in a little bit, he would get some phone calls because he's a well-liked guy. He made a lot of good friends throughout the NHL, and I've heard nothing but good things about him. So if it was him, people would open up their wallets. But for Evander Kane, not a chance in the world. Not a chance. Anyone's making a call. Do you think Dustin Bufflin's making a call? No, no. Buff hates him. Uh, so it's just, I, 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 I'm still trying to wrap my head around this, how you lose $52 million and then go into debt $26 million. So that's a $78 million swing there, Tim. Like that's almost a hundred million dollars. Like this, that's like Mike Tyson numbers. Yeah. It's unfathomable. It's, it's sad. It really is. Do you, how bad at gambling do you have to be? Or do you just think he just, he shows off. He goes in there and he can't stand to be at the twenty dollar table. He's got to go to the fifteen thousand dollar table and ball out. Like that could be it, where he just, you know, he wanted to be the dude. He wanted to be that guy who just controlled the room. I'm, I'm endless amounts of money. He wants to be that uh, Dan Bilzerian guy who's just balling out. Well, look what happens, Evander. I don't know. I'll fight him for money. <laughs> Fifty dollars each, Canadian. I'll do it. <laughs> How about uh, Jake Paul, Logan Paul, those guys? Those guys are jokes. Those guys are so it's it, it's so funny how fake everything is. It really is. One of them is going to be fighting Mayweather this year. It's all fake, though. It's all fake. Mayweather wanted to. He could work that guy. Absolutely, de- like, destroy that guy. He's been boxing for a couple years. If I stepped in the ring with Mayweather, I would not expect to hit him once, not even once, and I would be beat up in a round. Like, he would work my body, he would work my liver, and I would be out. Like, it, it wouldn't even be close. So, I don't know. I just think there's so much – everybody wants to be so popular and so liked and in front of the camera and have so much media on them at all times. It's it's not good for you. I got our little podcast. It's all we need, Tim. <laughs> Do you think uh, Evander's going to have a Players' Tribune article at all and just talk about his uh, his feelings? And his- no, without, no, well, he'll have somewhere he can get some money. He'll go on a talk show. To try to get some do re me. Write a book. He'll use it for some angle. It was I was a victim. Wasn't my fault. People used me. Not my fault. It's like BS. Does does every player have a financial advisor or no? Well, there's different like people have financial advisors. I I have a guy, and all I did was just give him all my money. I said, Here, 
take it. I'll call you in 50 years. And that, that's what I did. Other guys have guys who they pay their bills. They take care of all their stuff. They pay their mortgage and they look for houses and they, they're more involved in their life. I was more of a hands-off guy where I was like, okay, I'm making this money. It's a lot of money. I want to save it. I'm going to take this portion of every check and not even look at it. So it's not even real money to me. So I would get a check, just say for a hundred dollars. I'd go here, take $60. I'm not even going to see this money. I'll live off that 40. And I did that for eight years. And I, so even to this day, I don't want to touch that money. So if you come to my house, it's nothing great, you know, but when I turn 65, boy, Judging, you're gonna see me balling out. Oh my goodness, it's gonna be great. I'm just gonna go crazy. <laughs> gonna be have a yacht somewhere. It's gonna be nice. But uh, you know, it's okay. The dichotomy of that and an Evander situation is just mind-boggling. It's completely yeah, reverse. We 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 lived completely different lives. He balled out, he got the mansion, I got the okay house in the dumpy neighborhood next to the rich neighborhood. That's what we would do, every city we would go to. Like, where do you want to rent? Where's the really good neighborhood? Los Gatos? Let's go right next to that and get an okay house. That's what we did. So when everyone would ask where you live, I'm like, nah, just, just right by Los Gatos. Sounds <laughs> yeah. good. But he's on top of a hill. He's got ocean views and an infinity pool, and he probably pays, you know, 15 grand a month, 20 grand a month. Good for him. And he's uh, $50 million, $27 million in debt. Anyways, moving on. Let's talk about our guests. We got someone coming in. So I... I was going to get Ray Bork and I just didn't want to, I don't know why maybe we weren't prepared. Maybe I just wasn't excited to talk to Ray. I don't know. I've been having a little Twitter or a texting thread with some of my friends from San Jose back in the day. Tim sent me a picture of Mike Brown and the Tim described the picture for me. Well, it's on Instagram um, and he's holding a hockey stick and some kind of like, uh, lunge pose, and he's just absolutely naked. And there's a flag of Canada over his his. I think groin. it was USA. The USA over his over his junk, and that's it. And he's just staring at the camera. It's a very strange. It's a very strange um, post. So I, of course, took that image and sent it to the boys, and I included Mike. And I was like, "You really set the bar high, Mike." Um, and it was just an onslaught of rips on Mike Brown. And it was great. It was Joe Thornton. It was Pavelski. It was Patty Marlowe. It was uh, Couture. It was Al Stalock. It was everybody all in on Mike Brown. And it was great. And it's, still, it's ongoing to this, to this day. So I was like, we got to get Mike Brown on the show. He's just one of these guys who he is a lovable character. He's not the brightest bulb in the house. You know, he's, he's not going to win any spelling contest, but he's just a a good guy. You know what I mean? Like he, he, you know what you're getting with a Mike Brown. If you're going to go into a bar and you want someone who's going to have your back, regardless, Mike Brown's your guy. Like he, he's a friend for life. I, I played with him on two teams, the San Jose sharks. And I actually, when I went to the Montreal Canadians, he was on the team, which was kind of cool. So I walked in the locker room. I'm like, Mikey, what's going on? And so we're going to have him on the show. Do you know anything about Mike Brown, Tim? Very little. Um, I know the name, obviously. I know he had some good fights. I know he uh, he played at Michigan, which is pretty cool, but not much more than that. That's what I want to ask him because I just said he wasn't the, the brightest bulb, you know, in the house. I was looking up a stat. I was shocked when I saw he went to University of Michigan. Absolutely floored. I was like, this guy went to university for two years? 
Like this is, it, it boggled my mind. So I want to ask him about that. I want to ask him why he left after two years. Like why, if you get a scholarship to the university of Michigan, he wasn't a superstar by any right. He got drafted, I think in the fourth or fifth round. Why would you leave school early to go to the NHL, then just end up in the AHL for a few years? So I want to pick his brain about that. I want to talk to him about, you know, his San Jose time. He's got a crazy injury story. Blue Wire Hustle. It's a brand new program where you can host your own podcast at Blue Wire. You can be just like me. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Now, it might not get to drop in the gloves level. Might be better. I don't know. Now, here's your chance. As a part of the program, you receive a personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. So many tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. I don't even know what Stitcher is, but we will get your stuff pushed out there. And the best part is... It's only 15 bucks a month. We pay 15 bucks a month for, for Blue Wire to do this. So you're going to get the same deal as I do. It's unbelievable. So whether you're just starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to level up your sports experience. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash bluewire. Acceptance is limited. They're not just going to take everybody. So you got to have a good idea or a good podcast. So get in there. Check out the description box to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, everybody, listen up. Your company's salary cap is probably tighter than it's ever been, and you can't afford to miss on a new hire. Every person you add needs to fit just right, just like Tim does on the podcast. He fits perfect. That's where Indeed helps you hire great people faster. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates instantly with Indeed Instant Match. So you can do the part you really need faster, meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. Now you want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed right now. Listen up. Our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is Indeed's best offer anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. He's here now. Should we let oh, him in? Let him in. All right. Here we go. Mike Brown. Mike Brown, are you there? What's up, John? Oh, you look so beautiful. Oh, of course. <laughs> a long time no see. I know. You look exactly the same. <laughs> How are you, my friend? We're, we're, we're taping right now. You know what we just found out? What's up? A Vander, a Vander Kane filed for bankruptcy. Come on. Dead serious. Do you know him at all? I don't know him at all, but shouldn't he uh, take this fight then? Isn't there a big talk? Uh, apparently he, I don't know what's going on. I stare. Okay. First rules. We don't swear on the podcast, Mike. All right. We'll try. I know you're not a big swear guy, so that's not a big issue for you. But I just, we, we keep it clean. Oh, no, I, I got to be PG. Was, he was, uh, 
Yeah, he tried to fight some YouTuber. I don't know what. Maybe that's why he's doing it because he's broke. But it just came out. I just read the article. He's like twenty-seven million dollars in debt. How is that even possible? He's made fifty-two million bucks. What are you spending it on? I don't know. I don't know. Like, can you? How much did you make in your career? I don't know. I would probably guess somewhere around six million ish. Maybe. Yeah. How would you even spend six million? Like. It it boggles my mind that that guy could blow through that much money. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I guess it's all relative. But I, you know what? The last time I ever saw anything about him since, like you already asked, I don't know anything about him. But last time I saw anything about uh, messing around, he had all the uh, stacks of cash. He was in Vegas or something, and didn't he get in trouble or NHL caught it or something? He's not the smartest guy. Did you ever try to? Did you fight? You never fought him. No, he never fought me. That's I like that. I like that, Mike. <laughs> he never fought. Mike, my co-host is Tim. He doesn't usually say much during interviews. He'll just sit there. But that's Tim, Mike, Mike, Tim. Hey, Tim. How's it? Mike. How are you? Yeah, good. So you're coming back from practice, Pitsy. Where? Who do you? Who do you coach? Wait, hold on. Are we? Are we? What? What is this? Arm, Pitsy, uh, Brownie. What are we? What are we going to go by this interview? First of all, that was one of my questions. What is your nickname? You have so many. I don't know. You know what though. It's funny how it derived, though. I mean, like, if we backdate how Jumbo came up with the final result, I don't even know if we can track it. (laughs) So for the listeners, Mike Brown, his nickname is Pitsy, Armpit, Arm, and Brownie. I don't know where Armpit, Pitsy, or Arm came from. I just started calling you that because everybody else did. I, you know what? I think, well, it started when we were on the plane. We were playing cards. Obviously, I'm gonna be, I, I sweat to begin with. I mean, don't get me wrong. I sweat to begin with. But when we're playing cards for high stakes, I'm going to sweat a little bit more. You know, wearing, wearing the uh, dress shirt after a game. I get a, hey, I got a couple of pit stains going. It started off. I don't. I what? Did, I don't. Even, maybe it started off with what arm, arm, armpit, or arm some. Or I think he made you lift your arm, and he goes armpit, and it just went. It just evolved. Yeah, I, I don't know. How <laughs> <laughs> we, we just text with arm emojis? That's it. Your armpit stain was bigger than a dinner plate. Yeah. Not even exaggerating. Uh, it might have been a salad plate. No dinner plate, full <laughs> course meal, dinner plate under his arm. It was so funny. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to lose. I take those games. Oh. I take those games seriously. Oh, good. How you doing, my friend? How I'm are you? Good. You look good. I, you know, I was, I was nervous that you were going to say no to this interview. Say no to you. Come on. Oh, I was nervous because I've never really had someone on the show who I actually, I like, absolutely dummied in a fight. I, you know what? So, I was hoping we were going to go over this. So <laughs> let's, let's, hey, let's recap. You know, what is it? Hey, the name, what? Dropping the gloves. Hey, I'm not a podcast guy, first of all. Let's get this on the table. I don't listen to podcasts. The name of the show is Dropping the Armpit. <laughs> dropping the Armpit. I don't listen to podcasts. I've seen a couple uh, spitting chicklets. I don't pay attention to any of this stuff. I don't even know how it works, but I was going to bring it up. I was thinking, thinking about making my own, but I would have no, nothing, no idea what to do. But hey, it's dropping the gloves. So I thought we were going to be talking about fighting the whole time, right? I will touch on it. I, so I absolutely dummied Mike in the minors. We went into Winnipeg. I was with Houston. I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm listening to your side of the story here. I know we've gone back and forth. Well, I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you have the mic, and then and then I'll go. So I don't know what the score was. I think you guys were beating us by quite a bit. 
And the game was out of hand, and I was just getting fed up. I'm like, you know what? I got to get out of here. We're in Winnipeg. I want to go to Moxie's. Let's, let's move, it, move it along here. So Mike came over to me, and I think we collided. Well, hold and on, hold on. Okay, keep going. Okay, I, I, I feel like we came together at the blue line, and we shed the mitts, and I just got, got him with, with a strong right, and he went down, and he was down goes Brown. And I skated off the ice with the fans booing me. And I was like uh, the Hanson brothers leaving. I was like, take that, Winnipeg. Hey, but that's you, what that's are, you done, are you done dreaming yet? <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, way, the, way, the way it actually happened was I don't know the score of the game. You could have been, you could have been right. I, I don't know that part. I toppled over one of your players, completely hammered him mid-ice. I think it was right at, right at the red line. My head... As I hit him, my head hit his helmet. My jaw hit the top of his helmet as I completely flattened him, came over the top. As I'm laying on the ground on all fours, holding my jaw as I find out after the game it's broken. And you, what, six foot 11, come in at me and throw a couple haymakers, uppercuts while I'm on the ground. I get after the game, I get the image, broken jaw. You wins a win, Mike. Yeah, you think the jaw was broken before the fight even started? That was a definite loss for me. I man, if I could take that hit back, holy man, I take that as a TKO, my friend. <laughs> hey, you did come out on top, but that's how you came out on top for sure. <laughs> I am crying. I don't. Re- I didn't remember that. <laughs> I thought we just fought. Yeah. Right. What a greaseball move I did. Oh, Maybe man. I broke your jaw. Maybe it wasn't the helmet. Maybe it was me. It if it was, I apologize. It was probably a mix of both. <laughs> Knowing myself, I probably broke it before the game. Oh, my goodness. I was just telling the, the listeners how great of a guy you were. We, we played together on two teams, the San Jose Sharks and the Montreal Canadiens, for a very, very short time. Yeah, what was that, very short. a couple hours? Uh, literally like 12 <laughs> hours when I when you heard I was getting called up to Montreal what was everybody saying in the locker room were they like great here comes the, the circus well that's what it was I mean it was the circus at that time right they yeah. were doing the whole um which I love hey going going back like we I'm sure you've told this story about the all-star game and all that and how it uh, how it played out I completely support what you did um hey when by the time you by the time you were coming over there it was already a uh, I don't want to say the word, but crap show. Um, oh yeah. It was a mess. And it was already a mess. And I think for me, myself, it was already a mess because I got picked up off of uh off of waivers. They had pretty much like 75, 80% of the team that was already injured. They had brought me in there to protect some of those uh, minor league guys that were playing towards the end of the season. And that was already a mess. They had Kerry price out. And then uh, I think they just added to it. They brought you in. It was just more of a show. I think for both of us being there, it was uh was a little goofy and the way it turned out, I guess it, it ended up being pretty goofy, but I, uh, I, you were a breath of fresh air walking in that locker room. But yeah, was anybody saying like, I don't want this guy coming in here. Like I, I you know who rubbed me the wrong way was Lars Eller. And I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but that guy just bothered me. You know, he just, I, I don't know. Anyways, go quiet ahead. Though. He was, he was a quiet kid. I, I, you know what? I didn't have any issues with anybody. I can't really say I've had any issues with any of my teammates in the past, except for you, but that was a quiet team and most of the most of the all-stars most of the big big guys there they were injured so the time that i had with them 
it wasn't it wasn't real hockey time like you know what it's like when the guys are injured they're they're in the training room they're screwing around they're on the they're on the tables they're they're in and out of the locker room all goofing around and doing their treatment and they're on the they're on the ice before and after so you don't really get the full full effect of what the guys like and obviously me as a uh, as a fourth line plug I was I was skating um, I was skating with all the bag skates with them before and after practice so that was only the uh, that was pretty much the only time I really got to see those guys. Yeah, they weren't very fun, anyways. They were losers. Yeah, you know what? Hey, I'm. I, I that was one of my shortest uh, shortest stints besides Edmonton, and hey, I'm not going to complain. I had some pretty good cities I played in. I have uh, I respect all the Canadian fans, especially in Toronto. They uh, they really took a liking to me, so I can't complain. I owe I owe a big thanks to a big th- thanks to them for sure. You're just so diplomatic, Mike. You're just friends with like what? Like, like I said earlier, Tim, the guy's friends with everybody. Because I was like, do you think any, or Tim was asking if anybody's going to loan Evander Kane money. And I was like, not a chance. I've heard nothing but bad things about the guy. And I was like, I would loan Mike Brown money. Like he's the best guy ever. So oh, that's just, so nice of you, John. You fit the bill. Oh, but all right. Anyways, hey, speaking I was of, looking speaking at of your, money. Speaking yeah, of money, I, I thought we would go over this too about our uh, group text the other day. I thought maybe we would, uh, I thought maybe we'd try to promote some TV show of uh of of the bet we made in uh in lake tahoe i thought we would get this on the table that bet what was that bet you could run up the the mountain in lake tahoe yeah so i don't know what i don't know what is this some legendary mountain well, we did it as a we did it as like a pre um pre-season uh bonding trip i guess that you want to call it and what we we walked the hill we walked it and we had we had Burnsy with his uh, five thousand pound uh backpack on him he had his walking sticks um, we ended up walking this hill in what, two and a half hours. I think it, it was a being... long, it was a mountain. It was called heavenly resort mountain. And it's steep. And it's yeah. Steep as can be like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But they said what, like people struggle running it in two hours. And we walked the thing, I think in two and a half, I got up to the week. I mean, we all got up to the top and I, there, there wasn't a problem. I think what happened was I, we got back on the bus after the trip, and I said, "Man, I, I don't know what happened because we we talked to the guy that said it would be uh that's what the certain amount of time would be to run it." And I'm like, "For sure, I can do that." And you then said it like an hour. I don't know if it was an hour or two hours or what it was. Maybe it was the hour, and then we changed it, and then we gave myself a little bit better chance. Listen, if one of my viewers wants to step up to the plate or listeners, this would be a great show. Mike's in shape. He's got an incredible oh, probably personality. Probably the best shape I've ever been in. And we could have all the boys come out. We like I'm talking Joe Thornton, uh, Joe Pavelski, Logan Couture, Scott Hannon. Uh, who else? Patty Marlowe. Hey, we'll do. We, we'll, they, we'll even re, we'll even recreate what we did. We'll jump off the cliff. Um, oh, some of the guys will sit on the boat and just watch, and they'll uh, and they'll chicken out. But hey, we'll we'll put that all on the <laughs> we'll put that all on the show. You know, put it out there. Was that one of the only times with a team? So we for the se- before the season, the team decided we needed to bond, and we went to Lake Tahoe, and we just we we just were there for like three days. We know we we hung out, we had some drinks, we I think we played golf, we went on a boat ride, we hiked up the hill, we just did a bunch of stuff as a team. Was that one of the only times as a team you did that in in all your cities? Did you ever do that with other teams? We have done that. I've done that a lot, actually. Vancouver, really? Vancouver, we did that every single year, and that was well. You know what? I take that back. Um, as a team alone, like just the players, just the guys, that might have been my first actually going somewhere and doing something like that. Mm-hmm. We've we've gone like other teams. They've gone and uh, and done training camp like that, and then the guys end up hanging out in those cities. 
And what I say by Vancouver is you got plenty of options. You got Vernon, you got Whistler, um, you got places where you can go. And, and even though you're with all the management and you're there for training camp, I would say you can still venture off and do uh, and do some pretty cool stuff with the guys and you can make it a guy's trip and you, you can make something out of it. But I think that was, actually, yeah. yeah, like just, just the guys alone. And what was that after uh, that was after the, was that the second year after we had a, uh, we had a poor year, I think the first year or, no, I was only there one year. So it was the it was right after you guys lost to LA. You got swept four in a row after you're up three nothing, and then we went on that trip to try to turn yeah. the boat. It didn't work. We had a terrible year. Like it was absolute <laughs> it was an absolute train wreck of a season. So I doubt they did it again. Yeah. <laughs> but um anyways, Pitsy, you mentioned Toronto. I've had some of my best memories in Toronto. I've scored a lot of points there. I also went after Phil Kessel. Um what was it like in that locker room with Kessel and Phaneuf and Orr and Kadri when you guys had so much, you had so many expectations? What was it like? Just break it down. Was there infighting? Was it just too much pressure for you guys? Was Carlisle just too much to deal with? What happened? Well, there were a couple changes. I first got there, the team, they weren't, they were struggling to begin with. And I got there with uh, it was Ron Wilson was the uh, was the coach and and we we actually uh, opposite of what you said we were actually uh, I think we might have gotten along too well um, we were all similar in age I had known uh, quite a few of those guys before I got there um, played against them obviously quite a bit and um, I you know maybe it was loose and for me I never took the media in effect for where I was playing and how I was going to play I always went out there and did my job and just played my role you know and I I never felt that I was going to get attacked by the media I never felt I was going to get attacked by the fans because I was going to go out there and play the way I was going to play and I think when the players you know when you look at some of those some of those big guys there when they have that on their back and they have that whatever you want to call a monkey on their back that they have to perform and if they don't perform they get chirped and not only by the media but by the fans if you're a guy that can't handle that which was some of those guys, you're going to go the, the other way. And I think that's probably what happened. And I think they got stuck in a rut and a lot of those guys were there for a few, quite a few years. And they were probably just sick and tired of, of hearing the same stuff over and over. I mean, you know, just between for us, like we can go in, we know what we have to do. If we hit, if we fight, if we play hard, Hey, I've done my job for the day. Imagine if you got a score, if you're not scoring, yeah. if you're in a, if you're in a goal scoring rut and you, and you're looking after the game going, Oh no, it's going to, you know, what's going to happen? What am I going to hear? When am I going to go? And then you're, and then you, and the pressure just builds and builds and builds. And then next game, same thing happens. Now it's just adding to the fact. So I think that was a part. And then funny thing with the, uh, you mentioned Kessel and, and Carlisle. I got a, uh, I got a funny story of when, cause I'd played for Carlisle in, uh, in Anaheim. So yeah. I'd already known, and, and actually Lupo was there too. And I, I played with, uh, played with Lupo in, in Anaheim for Carlisle. And when the talk about when the talk came about Carlisle and, and a handful of coaches coming in that were going to take over, I remember me, we actually we were uh, we were at dinner, and uh, I was with Lupo and I think Kessel was there too, and and we were joking about Carlisle and we were messing with Kessel because he's a guy that doesn't want to play for a guy like that. <laughs> and I remember the entire. I think he was sweating more than I was on the plane. I think he sh- his nickname should have been Pitsy that night because. <laughs> I swear we were giving it to him so bad about what, what he was going to be in for and, and the bike club and the fat club and, and how he was going to have to work in practice and how long practices were and all this stuff. And all I can remember from uh, that came out of Phil's mouth. And I still remember this like till the day is buddy, 
I'm just not going to do it. And he, just, he looks at all of us. He looks at us and he just goes, and he goes, buddy, I don't, I don't care what he says. I just don't care. I'm just not going to do it. And I'm just going to play my, I'm just, I don't care. I'm not going to work out. And if he care, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and, and what do you know? Uh, Carlisle comes in and, and, uh, and I, I don't know if they, uh, cause I wasn't there long, long after that. So I don't know how they, uh, I don't know how they got along or, or didn't get along, but it was, uh, it was, uh, man, we had him, we had him on his, uh, we had him on the edge of his seat for, for oh, a couple of days. I, for I, sure. I still remember that video of, uh, they did like, uh, lead up to one of those outdoor games and Randy Carlisle came in the, the locker room, the, the lounge and said something to Phil and Phil's like, good one, Randy. <laughs> he just, that's, just, that's it right there. That's it in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. I, I know it. I did you like Carlisle? What was he, was he good for you? Yeah. You know what? I thought he was a great coach. I, you know what he, he knows. And sometimes you would say that as a player, he was overboard and, and I'm not going to say anything bad. Um, you know, he, he could take, you know, well, I, it speaks for itself. There, there's a reason why there was a Carlisle rule in place with the NHLPA and that's for a reason, mm-hmm. but there were times where, where, you know, well, that tell, tell the listeners what that rule is. I can't tell you the exact numbers, but I know the rule is um, when, what is it? When you, when you land or after a game or after a road game, if you're traveling, there's a certain amount of time where after you hit the ground or after a game on the amount of time that you have in between your next practice or when you have to be at the ring. So that came into place because we would land. And I know just from experience in Anaheim, we would land and fly out of LAX coming from uh, Orange County. And it was a, you know, a good 45 minute drive. And some, some of those uh, flights coming from out East that you'd come back in and, and you, you know, you wouldn't get to your house until two, three in the morning sometimes. And, and we'd be practicing at 10 o'clock, 1030 next day. And no, there was no setback, you know, maybe here and there, there was a, you know, there was a little bit of wiggle room to, to practice a little bit later, but mostly every other team at that time was giving days off. And if you came from a long road trip or you had a long flight, whatever it was, like you just, the, the thing to do would be to get some rest. And so, um, and so they caught it and they, uh, they put the Randy Carlisle rule in effect and, and it made, uh, players get a little bit extra rest yeah don't don't hang them up mike put them on randy carlisle so i i didn't get along with randy in toronto i did he he was such a i wish i would have played for him because he felt like a guy who rewarded hard work he rewarded the type of players that we are and it's a shame that i had the kind of fallout that i did with him where i was literally screaming in his face calling him every name in the book telling him i'm gonna kill him because he seems like a pretty legit guy See, I, I think, and, and I was going to touch on that part, which I didn't really get to say the good part about him, is that that, that is something good about Randy, is that he knew, he, he appreciated his guys like us. He appreciated his hard workers. He appreciated his penalty kill guys. Um, you know, those were his go-to guys. And he can, he can pull you aside and tell you exactly what he wanted. And if you didn't do it, then you would know. And to be honest, the chirping, the way that he goes about himself is just, Randy Carlisle, that's him. And until you understand that, you'll be in a situation where you're going to be in, in a yelling match where, you know, you, you almost like you almost have to shrug it off and give it back to him. He's a guy that wants it, wants it in return. And if you don't, then he'll just push you over. And he's, yeah, I was shocked during before the Kessel thing. I, I was trying to fight someone on the bench. I was like, who's going to jump out and fight me? 
And Randy came after me. He's like, what are you looking at? What are you looking at our bench for? I'm like, you better sit down, you fat. He's like, you don't tie. And we went back and forth like 15, 20 I was, seconds. I was playing for Vancouver and we played against Anaheim a ton of times. And those were pretty much my only games that I played because those were my first two years playing for Vancouver. I was healthy scratch all the time. But I had always played against Anaheim and they had a tough team. That's the reason yeah. why I played. I remember one time, uh, I remember one time I was, uh, I was in a scruffle with, uh, with uh, Travis Moan. And uh, I don't know what happened. I accidentally hit him with my butt end. I cut his face open. I, I was cross-checking another player. Just something happened. And I, I was skating by their bench. And I, I hear him yelling at me out of nowhere. He goes, you tree hugger. <laughs> and I looked back and I was like, did that really just come out of his mouth? And I went, I got, tree back, hugger? I got back to the bench and I was like inside laughing like, man, he really, he really just chirped me as a player. He chirped me as I was skating by the bench. <laughs> What's a tree hugger? I don't, why? I don't know. I didn't understand it at the time. I just kind of looked at it as something that he was chirping me about. I just, I. You should have been like, good one, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Mike, I want to ask, I, uh, we, I asked John last year who was the biggest uh, drill buster he's ever had as a teammate, and he goes, oh, with Mike Brown, without a doubt, Pitsy. What do you have to say about that? I think, I think <laughs> no. that was a cop-out for, uh, for him to just give an answer. I'm, either, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the farthest away from the drill buster possible because I would never, you would never see me in the front of a line because I, for, first thing, I don't want to bobble any puck because that's – mostly what happened is I'll, I'll mishandle the pass or something or, or, uh, or I'll go too hard and run into someone. But I, I was, I was never, I was never a drill buster. You busted I, drills. Listen to you. <laughs> we would get you to go at the front of the line. It was always good. Mike. it's, it's not a bad thing. I, I yeah, busted, no. I busted drills. I've had a practice canceled because I busted so many drills <laughs> where <laughs> the coach is like, just get off the ice. Mario, uh, Jacques Lemaire, my first year. He's like, you guys better start practicing better or I'm going to end this right now. And I was in the front of the line. I made a pass. It was like five feet wide. <laughs> he blew his whistle. He's like, get off the ice. I thought I was going to end my career. I'm like, he's going to send me down. It's over. So I, it's not a bad thing. For me, for me, it started in Vancouver. It was when I, I think it was my, uh, it was my first year and I, I couldn't handle a pass on my back end. I just couldn't, I couldn't catch it. And guys were, guys were snapping them. Guys were ripping them cross ice. Like we do those cross ice uh, warm up drills where you got to pass it. And if you're on your back end, I'd just be, I'd be standing there. I'd be shaking in line. Like, Oh no, I'm up next. I'm on my left. I'm on the left side. I'm going to catch this one on the back end. It just blows up like a grenade. Like I know it's going to, and I'm thinking to myself, like probably the worst thing I can do is think that this is going to happen because that's, that's what's going to happen. And I remember I just couldn't catch a pass on my back end. It just always blew up on me. And, um, Rick Bonus was the assistant coach at the time. He, I remember he pulled me aside after one of the practices and he, and he, he literally passed me a thousand pucks on my back end <laughs> until I caught one. And I, I swear to you, after, after a thousand pucks, after, after a thousand pucks, like blowing up on my back end and he fired them at me, like literally fired them at my back end, which was like impossible to grab. And I just literally, I just held my stick as strong as I possibly could. And just like after a couple of me, he's like, all right, we're done. And I swear, like it helped me, like throughout my throughout my career, like I was like, I'm I'm confident to catch a puck on my backhand now, and uh, and it that's helped. pretty funny. It, it helped a lot. This is how great hockey players are. You think they would help you out and like throw you a nice one, like maybe off the boards or. To- 
as soon as they know you're having a hard time with something, oh. it, it gets coming a hundred miles an hour across the ice and you gotta, you gotta catch it. Like they're not going to give you any edge. Burnsy is the worst at that. I was like, as a healthy scratch in Vancouver, I was, um, you know, I would just, I would rotate and I would actually play D on sometimes I would know I was on the lineup because they would put me in a great Jersey. I know I was the, uh, the eighth D man. And, um, I would, you know, if someone was injured or one of the Sedins wanted to take a practice off or something like that, they would put me on, uh, they would give me the, whatever Jersey, the top line was blue Jersey. And I'd come in for practice and I'd see the, I'd see the blue Jersey in my stall. Like, Oh yeah, I'm on first line. Like, Oh, you know, I knew I knew, I knew it was up, but that would be the worst because then, then we're doing like, we're doing entry plays. We're doing, uh, we're doing regroups and stuff. And those guys are snapping them at me and I'm like, Oh no, like, if I, if I lose this buck, man, they're going to kill me. Like I'm going to either get sent down. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'd be so nervous to pass them the puck that like they would be on their backhand. It would be, it would be uh, like two feet behind, two feet, two feet uh, in front of them. And they'd pull me aside. Hey, settle down. You know, you got to make Easy, a tape to tape pass. There's nothing worse than going to the rink, expecting maybe to play. You're hoping to play, you know? And then you look in your stall and the Jersey there is a defensive Jersey. And you're just like, well, practicing with the defense, but yeah. it, it is a soul crushing couple seconds where you're just like, okay, I'm going to practice with the defenseman. He has no plans. I, I, I didn't like that, but it was just part of the job. You know what I mean? One time that, uh, one time that backfired big time on me. I remember actually we were in, uh, we were in Nashville and, um, I had the great, I had the great Jersey. I had the practice Jersey and, and it was happening. Uh, it was happening for a good amount of time, like a couple of weeks. And the, uh, the seventh D man was Lawrence Nicolette. And I was, uh, I was the 13th forward. So I ended up being, so we had 12 forwards. So it made it 12 forwards and eight D by, by them putting me back on D. And we, uh, I don't know what it was around like new year's or something or some holiday where we were going to have a day off. And I remember uh, for, for pregame skate and practices, I was, I was that eighth D man. And so me and Lawrence the night before we, uh, we had a good time. We, uh, we went out, we were listening to some music and, and we uh, made a couple pit stops on the way. And uh, I remember getting home pretty late back to the hotel. And what do you know? Uh, I'm, I'm defense and pregame skate. And I'm like, just sweating, like just getting it all out, just sweating big time. And uh, game time comes, they tell me to, you know, they give you the, just show up for warmups and we don't, we never know what's going to happen. Just show up for warmups. And I, I come for warmups and they give me the tap. And I, I remember that was the worst feeling of pretty much my entire career. Just completely backfired on me. And you couldn't even string together a guilty game and pull one together. Well, I did. Five minutes. I did, but I'm saying that that was probably one of the worst. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, that's, that's happened to me a few times. Just like, Oh my gosh, the worst yeah. one story that I remember playing with you was we, we didn't play a lot together. We, we sat out quite a bit. Yeah. And so we were, we finished our workout. I think we were jumping in the sauna and we were doing push-ups in the sauna and I, what's that standard? Yeah. Standard operating procedure. Like season's almost over. We got to get, you know, the body set for summer. And you told me that you can't do too many push-ups because you get too big. <laughs> Is that true? Or are you just pulling my leg? No, I get, well, I mean, now, now I'm, now I'll do whatever I want. You know, I, I don't have to be in playing shape. I look at it in two different ways. Before, when I was younger, I bulked up too much and I couldn't handle a puck. I mean, I was, I was lifting some pretty abnormal amounts of weight. I think I still have quite a bit of the records at the U.S. program from when I was 16 17 18 years old but when I was playing I couldn't I didn't want to do that because I don't know I got some kind of genetic that uh 
that works pretty quick. So if I work out hard, then I'll bulk up pretty quick. So you think that you could, okay, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. So you were your most skilled. You could have been worse is what you're saying. (laughs) Is that what you were trying to think of? Well, I was just like, I was trying to phrase it in a nice way. And I'm like, okay, so you couldn't handle. (laughs) So basically, if I already have rocks as hands. That was it. That's what I was thinking. And I have hands like like feet. (laughs) If, if I put, if, if I make those rocks into boulders, Think about what's going to happen to my hands. <laughs> That's really funny. I When you said that, I was blown away. I'm like, man, I, I can't get an ounce of pectoral muscle if I tried. Even to this day, not that I work out at all anymore, but still, my chest is like, it, it is concave. It goes in. There's nothing there. And then I see you just like chiseled out of granite and you're not doing anything. I'm like, this is like... It's not fair. That's a big, it's mis- not fair, it's a big misconception though. Like, Hey, I, I always came into training camp in the best shape of oh. my, of, of my season of anything working hard. I work smart yeah. though. I take some, no. I take a bit of time off and then I go, I, I mean, I'm, I'm on or off. I got one switch. I either go a thousand miles an hour or close to zero. And when I'm Speaking off, Speaking of that a thousand miles an hour, tell everyone about the story, but when you broke your ankle, Oh, and then you went back on the ice and tried to play with a broken ankle. And why am not talking like a hairline fracture? Just to tell us the story thing. of that, because that is one of the most unbelievable stories I've ever heard. Oh, this, this actually still haunts me. Uh, when I wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bath, to go take a piss, I still feel it <laughs> just for the record. <laughs> so I actually, uh, our center got kicked out of the face off. I'm on wing. So I step in to take the draw, just not even ready at all. I go in, I forgot who, uh, I forgot who I was going against, but I ended up getting pushed back off the draw. My toe of my skate got caught in a rut or got caught in the ice and I got pushed backwards and I ended up kind of just twisting as I fell. So when I got up, I thought I just twisted my ankle. I thought when I got like, cause I felt, it felt like an ankle sprain. So when I got up, I was skating around. I just, it felt pretty sore. I was skating around a bit. I don't know if the whistle blew or I got back to the bench. Um, when I got back to the bench, it was, it was feeling pretty sore, like something either broke or something had sprained or, or whatever. So I go in the training room. They take my boot off. He's, the doc's moving, my, uh, doc's moving my foot around. For some weird reason, it doesn't I, – I, no pain, absolutely no pain. And I know what happened now, so I'll say it, was he basically put my foot and the bone back in the right place and it was in it was a spiral break so by putting it back in a place it was holding together i guess by the spiral of the break and when i put my boot back on i literally felt like nothing had happened not even a sprain didn't even feel a single thing and i don't Ugh. know if that was adrenaline or not but i just didn't feel anything and i'm walking around and i'm moving my foot i'm like i can play i'm good and so i go back out uh next shift and i'm i remember it was just a big circle and i remember the shift i literally went from our bench Offensive zone four check, puck came out into the neutral zone. One of their players got it close to our bench, and I came thousand miles an hour to go and crush this guy. And my ankle buckles like literally two feet before I go to hit him. Like literally two feet before I go to hit him. I completely mangle, my whole body goes like completely limp, and I go flying into the boards. Like I might have even sprained my neck 
instead of my uh, instead of my ankle and that was the uh that was the uh, that was the end of it i took my boot off and uh and i had a huge uh, softball around my ankle and they took the picture and that ended up being broken the funny part about that story is uh i did all my rehab for the uh, for the ankle and this is what pissed me off is i did my two months whatever i was wearing the boot and i had the little uh i had the little push cart that you uh that you put your knee on so everybody was making fun of me for riding that thing around which wasn't too fun and then <laughs> I, I remember the team the team was on the road one time and i was uh and i was uh and i was having to do the first i think it was my first time on the ice since the since i since i'd broken it and um i was just you know i was with uh, i think it was mike ricci who was who was there to watch and just kind of supervise and i was out there and i know pushing through the scar tissue hey it's going to take some pain and i've gone through numerous injuries to know that and I'm skating around and I'm skating around and, and I start sweating and I'm like, and I'm like, man, this isn't feeling right. You know, something's, uh, something's hurting. And I'm like, okay, we'll just push it. And I'm pushing and I'm just tearing up and tearing up. And I'm like, man, I, I can take pain, but this is like, something's not right here. And, uh, and Richie's on the phone with, uh, with Razor and he's going, no, no, it's fine. You know, the doc cleared and it's all good. And, and I don't know, long story short, I, um, uh, I get off. My foot is so sore. My ankle is so sore. And it was the, uh, it was the tibia just for the record. And so I'm, I'm, I'm like, they're like icing it, icing it. And, uh, mm-hmm. no one's still there. And I, I give it a day break and I come back out and the same thing happens the next day. And I'm like, it's worse. I can't, I can't bear this pain. Like this is worse. What do you know? We go get an x-ray. I rebroke it. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. That was the year I played 12 games, 12 oh. games. I broke my finger. I think in the beginning of the year too. Is that because you just you're you're, and I'm not just making fun. Is that because you're just too powerful on your stride? Like, is that where your power comes? You know, kind of it's a hindrance when you pushed off. You might have just rebroke it. It was probably fine. It broke I, it again. You know what? I wish I knew the answer to it. I oh. I don't know. It could have been. I mean, I don't know. It could have been my skate. Like, it could have been the area. Like, that's right where your uh, that's right where your the the ankle part of your skate skate comes up. So when you bend, yeah and skate it could be my stride i mean you know you're right i am a very powerful skater so was, it could be was that demoralizing was that just like oh, man what else can go wrong and then you saw me out there just absolutely killing it that was the I, worst oh, part about it is how good you were playing and me just having to watch it like so many goals yeah so many goals <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible i love doing my i love doing my uh my upper body workouts uh, during that time just the horn that's funny though. again oh that's funny though we were just facetiming with those we were talking about the uh our old our, our old teammates from the sharks there and i i remember it was funny because i remember like uh jumbo and pavalski came to me one time and i was that was when i was wearing the boot and i was i couldn't even bag skate i wasn't even i wasn't even like a, a, a skater that wasn't gonna play that was healthy scratch that was just gonna like skate on the road like bring him on the road just in case or bring him on the road because everyone's going and and he'll get his uh he'll get his conditioning in you know, every, so there's no like trainers, there's no equipment guys staying back. So the only ice that you're going to get is on the road. And I remember them coming to me and be like, Pitsy, like, you got to come on this road trip. We're flying you out just so you could, just so you can be with the boys. Just, we want you to play cards. We need you to, we need you in the card game. We need you. We need you in the locker room. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm going to be a pile of crap. Like I can't, I'm not back skating. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to be just hanging out. Like, you think I'm going to be good? Mascot. Hey, that's what makes those guys great is they, they just want people around to hang out. Like I, I played on a lot of teams. You've played on a lot of teams. I talked to a few guys from other teams. 
I consistently talk to most guys from the Sharks. Totally. And that's rare. Yeah, totally. And it, it's just so cool that they we had that relationship and it's still kind of going strong, but I don't know. And you know, it's still cool that we're close, Mikey. Yeah. You know, the one thing I like about it, you know, Jumbo for sure. He's, you know, he's such a, such a Hall of Fame guy and he's been around for so long, but he understands the role. He understands these types of players and he knows, you know, what's needed and just the, the appreciation factor and the respect factor. You know, like even, even Pavalski and Burns and all these guys, like they just, they understand what it takes and not, you know, not only for, for them to succeed, but, but the whole package. And I think that's, that's where the respect comes from. That's where, you know, we get all that, that appreciation. Like I said, there's only a handful of them, you know, it's, it's so easy for, for those guys to just be like, eh, whatever, you'll be in and out yeah. and then see you later. Yeah. To, to invest in some... be, be such good guys. And it's, it's rare. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not the rule. It's, it's the exception. And speaking of hard work, I want to mention your little training, your MSB performance. So tell tell us a little about that. What's going on, Mikey? Well, so you hit it. You hit it in a nutshell when you were talking about how strong I was when I do push-ups mm-hmm. um, in the off season, and basically admiring what what I would do. Um, you know, just in case you <laughs> wanted to work hard and, and you wanted to bulk up. So um, this basically came from that. I mean, when I was when I was playing, I always did it my way. I always worked out my way. Like I said, I had an off and an on switch. Um, I always came in top shape. I always won the Ironman awards going into training camp. And for me, when I was done and I I did it different, like I said, I didn't go to a trainer. I felt like going to a trainer was going to be just doing the same as everybody else. I wanted to just have it my way and, and train in an outside of the box type of type of style. When I was done playing, I started, uh, started coaching. And actually what happened before coaching was um, I, I, got a hold of the guys where I used to play my, my minor, my youth hockey, I should say. And they had a, a training facility there and I wanted to run basically my program to, to youth, to college, to pros, semi pros, whatever, and, and give this program out. And uh, they ended up roping me into coaching, which, which was great. I, I've coached at pretty much every level now. Um, and now coaching my two kids teams, the mites and squirts. Um, but I ended up just doing um, basically private training at the rink, um, running programs, uh, boxing, which I've done my whole career and, um, foot speed strength. And, uh, that led me to being the strength and conditioning coach of the entire organization, which was 20 something teams, a uh, couple days a week, you know, two, three, four days a week, depending on the schedules of the, uh, of the teams. And I, I liked it a lot. And what I did was I basically built a brand from being the strength coach and just doing kind of the private training at the rink. I built a brand of what I do. And if you want to do private training, um, I'm here to, to basically tailor a different workout to whatever you are. It doesn't have to be hockey. You can be youth. You can be um, adult. You can be injury-prone uh, rehab. I mean, you know as well as I do, we've, we've done a lot of rehabbing throughout our career. And um, just being that, having that knowledge is, is what I dish back to, uh, to people that, that are in need. And um, – Basically, uh, right now is what I'm doing is, uh, is doing team training. So teams contact me. Um, I got a couple high school teams, um, and anybody else that is, uh, that is in need of team training. And I'm doing before COVID started, it was in person. And then when COVID hit, it was, uh, it was right for me to do it online, which was better for me and other people because I can hit people that are outside of the Chicagoland area. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's kind of at a, a, st- a standstill of doing in-person training for me just because of the way this COVID hit and what's open and what people have free. 
But um, right now I have the website open for, uh, for people that uh, if they want to contact, they can, they can do some team training. They can do individual training and you don't even have to be a hockey player. I can do just uh, basic uh, uh, strength and conditioning and, and footwork and everything else in, in between. And if, yeah. If you want to see the results, just go to Mike's Instagram and you'll see what you'll get if you train with Mike for one week because yeah. the guy knows what he's doing. So, yeah, go check out msbperformance.com. You'll get personal training from Mike Brown. Pitsy, this was great, buddy. Yeah, of course, man. This is great to be in uh, contact again. I know. We'll have to uh, teach you how to listen to a podcast so you can listen to yourself. It's the best. No, you know what You know what I was going to ask you, though, is um, I, I, was, I was thinking about, like I said at the beginning, of doing a podcast. Like, I know nothing about it. Like, I, zero. I've, I've done a few of them, and, you know, I – I just, I wouldn't even know where to start. We didn't even know what to talk about, but I, I wanted to see your uh, feeling as a, what do you think? Do you think I would succeed? Well, I think we should. Uh, yeah, I think you could. I think you really could. You, you could get the guests. You got a good personality. We'll see. I don't know if I want the competition though, to be honest with you. Well, I think I, I'd go more like uncensored type, like. Oh, you know, you'd be spitting chiclets. Well, I don't want to copy them. Like they, they know, they know about hockey. I don't follow hockey. Yeah, that's true. Well, let's talk off there. I, I can put you in touch with some people. All right, cool. Sounds All right, well, thank you, Mike Brown. I appreciate it. Uh, Tim, anything? No, thanks for coming on, Mike. This has been great. Yeah, of course. No problem. It was fun. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on Friday. Cheers. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at dropping underscore gloves for episode highlights, behind-the-scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise including t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks, and see you next time.